Cedar Street, I sure do love you. I hope you never doubt that. And um, I am so grateful for the privilege of which I'm not worthy to continue week after week to walk with you as we walk with God. And um, I, I probably say this a lot, but I really mean it. I'm very excited to walk with you the next few weeks in a new series that God has been pressing deep into my heart. Uh, coming out of Psalm 139, the title of our sermon series for the next four weeks, God Willing, uh, is Searching Our Sacred God. Searching Our Sacred God. We're going to search the unsearchable riches of our sacred God and find out just how much he is searching us. Uh, I've made no mistake over the years that uh, I love the Psalms. I love the whole Bible, okay? The Bible's made of 66 books that make up one book, and it's the story of God from Genesis all the way to, to Revelation. And when we preach the scriptures, we're telling the story. Uh, but there's a reason for me why right smack in the middle of that book is the book of Psalms, because that book has been my oxygen tank when I have found that I've been out of breath in my journey with Christ. Every day, the Psalms give me something that I can't find anywhere else, and I'm just so grateful that God has given us his word and um, as we kind of walk through this one psalm, over the years, again, I love the psalms. There's 150 of them, but this one psalm, there's so many things we can know about who God is and about what he's doing in our life that every time I read Psalm 139, I'm always like, I wish I could just slow down and savor this with your people, Lord. And it's like God said, well, why don't you? So we're gonna take four weeks and like I've always said about South Georgia barbecue, we're going to cook it low and slow and walk through this together and see just who God is and, and why we are going through what we're going through and what he wants to know about how he is guiding our lives. And you know, I, there's a quote that I have mentioned many times that has been deeply meaningful to me. And the quote comes from uh, one of the spiritual giants of the 20th century, a man named A.W. Tozer, in the book called The Knowledge of the Holy. In the first chapter, the first page, he says these words. He says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. I'll say it again. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us because what you believe about God is going to affect every decision that you make. That's why the proverb says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge because if we do not have a healthy, reverent awe of who he is, then we don't have a starting point for the rest of reality around us. So if you want uh, to, to have a life that is purposeful and meaningful and is carrying out the mission that God has given you, and if you want to have a relationship with him, which is the primary purpose that you're on planet earth, you need to know him. And so what we're going to do the next four weeks with God's guidance through the inspiration of the inspired word here in Psalm 139, verse by verse, we're going to search God to know him, but then we're going to see how he's searching us. And then we'll understand where we're at and where we're headed in 2024, I believe. And so we're going to be looking here, starting in the verse six verses of Psalm 139. The title of our message here this morning is Searching God's Sacred Knowledge. Searching God's Sacred Knowledge. We're going to be thinking about 
the mind of God. You say, well, Bo, we can't fully know his mind. You're, you're absolutely right, we can't. But we can know enough about how God thinks and we can know enough about what God knows that it will change exactly what we're going through right now. It'll meet you right where you live right now. And my hope is after this message and my hope is after this series and my hope is for the rest of your life that the more that you know God, the more that you will surrender to him, the more that you will trust him, and the more that you'll depend on him, and the more that you'll obey him. I believe that's what he wants for us right now. So what's the big idea as we look at Psalm 139, verses one through six, in one sentence? When we search God's sacred knowledge, we learn to surrender to an all-knowing creator who continually searches us. When we search God's sacred knowledge, we learn to surrender to an all-knowing creator who continually searches us. So, Cedar Street, if you want to search the sacred knowledge of God together, would you join me by turning to the book of Psalms? If you don't know where Psalms is, just open the middle of your Bible and boom, you'll be in one of them probably. All right, Psalms is after Job, it's before Proverbs. If you don't have a Bible, grab the Pew Bible in front of you or beside you. We're on page 618 in your Pew Bible. And if you would stand at this time, out of the reverence of the reading of God's holy, infallible, inerrant, and fully sufficient word, we're in Psalm 139, and we are looking at verses 1 through 6. Hear God's word to us, inspired of the Holy Spirit of God through the life of King David. It says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Let's pray. Lord, I can't even begin to think of a better song that we could have heard coming into this psalm than the one that Jody just sang. You are good, and you are faithful, and you know all things. You know every hurt and every joy that is in every heart in this room. Lord, I pray that you would cast out every distraction I pray that you would help us to understand in what time we have left here this morning together that nothing, no matter what we're going through, no matter what we're witnessing in our own lives or the lives around us, nothing right now is as important as our relationship with you. Would you help us to see you and hear you, to know you, and to surrender more of us to you? Be with us now, I pray. In Jesus' name and God's people said, Amen. Amen. Again, Psalm 139, a Psalm of David. If there's a word that I could use to summarize the theme of this Psalm, 
It's the word knowing. In fact, if you look at the beginning of the psalm and the end of the psalm, David says, you know all things and you know me. And then at the end of the psalm, he says, search me and know me and help me to know myself. So if there's one thing I would say about this whole psalm, and it's one thing we're going to come to grips with the next four weeks, is the word knowing. God wants you to know him. And he wants you to know how he knows you. And he wants you to know yourself in his presence. We're going to see that verse by verse. And as we look at verses one through six, this is about knowing and trusting the God who knows all about us. He's the one you can trust. He knows everything about you. Every single thing you think, every word before you speak it, every decision before you make it. He knows when you try to do good things to cover up bad. He knows when you've done bad and you want to confess it because you want to be restored to good. He knows all things. Now, there's a tension in the Bible and I've noticed over the years, all of us, myself included, we, we try to resolve the tension by running too far to one side or the other. That happens a lot in church history. People like to argue about things that are both true. So here's one aspect of God that there's tension and you need to live and embrace the tension. Here it is. God is transcendent, which means he is bigger and, and better and more magnificent than anything you and I could fathom. He is transcendent and worthy of worship. But the second part is that he's eminent, which means he's as close to you as the air you breathe. He's the friend who sticks closer than a brother. And so some of us have a big view of God and we fear him and we revere him and we worship him and you need to hear me. He's eminent, he's close, he draws near. He wants you to know his heart. On the flip side, there are some of you that think that he's a life coach, he's a buddy. And his job is to make you as happy and comfortable as possible. So his only role is for you to pray and he's your magic genie and he'll do whatever you want. No, you need to understand his transcendence. His goal for your life is a lot more than just your comfort. He wants to make you like his son. So let's, let's hold that tension together. And, and I want you to recognize as we're looking at this, ask yourself, what side do I lean on more than others? If you have a high view of God as transcendent, praise God. I want you to get more intimate with him. If you, if you see God as, as loving and, and, and as, as a friend, praise God. But just know this, he's not just working in your life. He's working together all things around you as well for, for our good and for his glory. And so that's why we need to trust him, but we also need to obey him. Now, another thing I want to say is when you read the, when we read this together, I need you to put yourself in David's shoes. I want you to hear God saying these words to you. If you don't personalize these words, they will not reach you the way God intends. So in each and every verse that we go through, hear God speaking them to you. We'll talk a little bit about David, but I want you to hear God speaking them to you that not only does God know all, but he knows all about me. And then, again, my goal for this series is that it's going to lead you to trust him more. It's going to lead you to surrender to him more. And yes, it is going to lead you in his grace to obey him more. Because if he knows you and he's got a plan for you, there is something, there's things that he wants you to do. And there's things that he wants you to stop doing. But most of all, what he wants is you. So hopefully through this series, you're going to give him more of you. That's my prayer anyway. It may be a high goal, but I'm going to shoot for it. 
If I shoot for the moon, maybe we'll still end up among the stars. All right, so I want to walk through this together, and I want to talk about uh, three things right out of the text of what we find when we search the sacred knowledge of God. Oh, I can't wait to jump into this. All right, so number one, searching God's sacred knowledge leads us to trust what he knows. Trust what he knows. Verses one through four says this, and keep your Bibles open. Let's keep our eyes on the text. Everything I'm going to say is coming right out of this book. All right, verse one, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. So let's start at verse one. Listen to these words. You have searched me and known me. Now, if I said to you, God knows all things. Most of you, if you've even been in a church once or twice, would say, I believe that. He's the creator of the universe. There's nothing he doesn't know. But pay attention to how David is saying this. He's not saying you know everything. He's saying you have intentionally searched me to know me in a special way. You know what that is? That's relationship. You have searched me and known me. Now, I just want to ask for those in this room that are married, okay? I'm going to pick on the men for a second. Men, can you imagine, can you remember when you were courting your wife? Guess what you did? You searched her. You searched what she cared about. You searched the things that she likes and the things that she doesn't like because you had an end goal of knowing her in a different way. That's relationship. And that's what God desires from us, intimate, firsthand pursuit of a personal relationship. And a relationship is always twofold. A relationship has to be consensual. Whether it's a friendship or a marriage, you're offering your heart to somebody and you're wanting them to offer their heart in return. And David is saying, God, you have searched me. We already know God knows everything but it means that God is intentionally pursuing more than just a head knowledge. He already has all of that. He's omniscient. He knows every single thing. But he wants to have a personal, eternal, loving relationship with you. And you need to hear me. That's more important right now than whatever you're going through. That's more important than any circumstance you want to change, anything you're grieving, anything you're praying for. What is most important right now is your personal, intimate, eternal relationship with God. Everything else you say, think, and do needs to flow out of that, which is why what A.W. Tozer said is spot on. What comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So the verse one, he searches us and he knows us. Now, what, what does he know? He knows everything. Verse two, first part of verse two says, you know when I sit down and when I rise up. Now, we're gonna see a lot more of this next week when we talk about the presence of God, but a little taste test of it here in verse two means that there's an unceasing presence that never leaves us alone. That can be a good thing or a not so good thing. You know, as I, as I study this psalm and I look what scholars said about this psalm, some people said that this is a praise of David, but some people say this is a lament of David. Dave, David is saying, like, no matter what I'm doing, I can't shake you. You're with me every second. So what I would say is it is the best possible news you could ever have uh, when you're walking with him. 
but it's sobering news when you're not. He's with you. In the New Testament, we hear the words, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Actually, you hear it in the Old Testament and the New Testament, that promise from God that he's as close to us as the air we breathe. You know, it's amazing. God never intended for us to experience loneliness on this earth. It wasn't his intention. If we had never sinned, we would have been in the Garden of Eden. We would have been in intimate presence with God. And that little garden of the kingdom of God would have gotten bigger and bigger and bigger until it covered every square inch of the earth. And we would never have been out of his relational presence. And we would never have felt alone. You see, feeling alone is not proximity to a person. It's proximity to a person who knows you. You could be in a room full of people and be the loneliest. Some of you in right now in the pews, you're thinking about what you're dealing with in your life and you feel so alone. You're not. God is with you. He never leaves you. He's with you when you lie down. He's with you when you rise up. It's an unceasing presence and that's one of the reasons we can trust him. But not only that, as you look at the second part of verse two, he discerns your thoughts from afar. He has complete and total understanding of every thought that you have. I'm so grateful about this. I'm gonna tell you why. I think most people are this way, but I probably more so than most. I have a hunger to be understood. Sometimes when people disagree with me, what I wanna say is you wouldn't disagree if you understood what I actually was saying. When I was a kid, my mom used to actually laugh at me and it would make me even angrier. I would stomp my feet in the kitchen and I would say, Mom, you don't understand me. And she'd go, oh, here he goes again. And it it would infuriate me. But you know, I put something on my mom that she couldn't handle because there's an aspect that my mother can't know about me because she's not God. She can't climb into my head and understand the source of every thought that I have. I can't put that on you. Again, sometimes I preach and I look around at about 150 eyes and the look I get is, what in the world is he saying? (laughs) And I go back to my office and I say, well, you swung and missed on that one. Step back in the batter's box next week and give it a try again. But every time I feel my failure as a communicator, I hear the voice of God. I know you, I know your thoughts, good and bad. Sometimes it's, praise God, he knows our thoughts. Sometimes it's, oh, please help me. He knows my thoughts. Either way, he knows, he knows. Verse three, what else does he know? He searches out our path and he's acquainted with all our ways. He knows where we've been. He knows where we want to go, and he knows why we want to go there. Can I just tell you this? As a pastor, I lay in bed at night, and this is my prayer. Lord, help us to be walking the same path, because I'm just going to tell you, one of the hardest things of being a pastor of a church is everyone has an idea of where they think the church should go, and it's not always moving in the same direction. And so that's why we need to surrender to God, because it's God that's going to get, get all of us on the same page. And he knows the path that we, we're going to go. And, and the path that we're going to go, the path that we should go, is a path that he's leading and we are following. Last night, 
last night, I, you know, I had a day yesterday where I was, I had a scheduled uh, to go hang out with a bunch of my buddies and they all got sick. One of them got sick and we just canceled. And so I said, all right, this is a day where I'm going to stay home and do what I've been wanting to do for months. I'm going to clean. And I had this box of papers, insurance and bills and utilities and all these other things. And then, you know, a couple times a year, I pull that box out, I shred, I label, I file. Uh, and as I'm looking through those pages, I just think about the year in review. Like, what, where was I when I got this? You know, I, um, what was the person going through when they sent this? You know, and I'm just, I'm looking at all these and I'm filing and I'm shredding and I'm labeling. And then I sat down. You may think I'm nuts, but whatever. You guys know everything about me anyway, right? Not everything. God knows everything. But you know a lot about me after 14 years together. I was sitting in my home office in my recliner about 10 o'clock and I'm writing in my journal and just kind of reflecting on uh, what's been happening in my life the last few weeks and asking for God's grace. And you'll think I'm nuts, but whatever. I was sitting in the recliner. I was quiet. And I was just talking to Jesus. And I felt, and I don't talk like this often, but I'm just being honest with you. I felt a tingling on the left side of my face. It was like half of my beard was tingling. And I just got quiet. I'm thinking, what is that? Is that the heat coming out of the vent? What is that? And I was overwhelmed with this thought. It wasn't an audible voice, it was just a thought. And the thought was Jesus saying to me, I want you to walk cheek to cheek with me in this journey. Because I'm thinking about so many things that, that, that need to be done in this church and so many people that have so many ideas and I'm trying to be a shepherd and some people are 10 steps ahead of me and other people I can't get them motivated to do what I feel like we're called to do and I just felt Jesus, push into me. I, I'm telling you, I tangibly felt right here on my left cheek, and I heard him say to me, I just want you to walk cheek to cheek with me. Now, you can call me crazy, but that's kind of what he says in the book of John. Abide in me, and I in you. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. What is abide? It's to lean in. It's to go cheek to cheek. He knows me, and he knows you. And again, in verse 4, he knows every word on our tongue before we even speak it. So, can we trust him? Can we trust him? Can we trust not only is he good, but in his goodness he knows everything and he wants what's best for us. Can we trust him? We can never look at God the way I looked at my mother in my adolescence and say, you just don't understand me. The, the, the journey to be understood by other human beings is over when you rest that you are understood fully and loved completely by the God of the universe. That's number one. Searching God's sacred knowledge leads to trusting what he knows. Number two, it, it leads to, to follow where he leads. All right? It leads us to follow where he leads. Verse five says, you hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Now, again, you can look at this different ways. You can look at it if you're walking in disobedience as kind of sort of feeling trapped. 
Like, I don't want to be in this season of my life, but I'm here. But you can also, and I'm, I'm, I'm urging you for, to look at it a different way. To say that God, who knows everything about your past, and God, who knows every possibility of your future, what he has for you and what you may or may not walk in obedience with, everything that God knows has you right in this moment right now. Right now. God says you can't change your past. You can confess it and I'll forgive it. And you can't predict the future. Only I know what you want to know. But you can let me lay my hand on you right here and right now. And if we can meet him right here and right now, we can follow him one step at a time. God God is just not going to tell us more than we need to know before we need to know it. You know that about God? I mean, look at the scriptures. From Genesis to Revelation, think about how God revealed more of himself in every book of the Bible. Can you imagine if he sat down Abraham and took him all the way through to Revelation? Abraham's head would be spinning. He just said to Abraham, follow me, and I'll make your descendants so great they'll be like the stars in the sky, and through you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Follow me, one step at a time, follow me. You know, other scholars have looked at this passage, and when it says that you uh, hem me in behind and before, you know what they look at it as? A hedge of protection. That God's protected me from, from abandoning him. He's protected me from the deception of the evil one completely destroying my life, and he's brought me to this point where he wants me to trust in him. Do not be shackled by your past. You can't change it. You can only confess it and be forgiven of it. And if you have great moments of your past, well, praise God, you'll be rewarded for that in the kingdom. But right now, you can't live on past rewards or past work that will be rewarded. You've got to be with him in this moment. And he's only going to tell you and I what we need to know one step at a time. One step at a time. God's hand is on you at this very moment. Do you believe that? His hand is on you, and it's a good hand, it's a faithful hand. And it's a hand that sees everything and says, I will work all this together for your good and my glory if you love me and you are called according to my purpose. So follow me as I lead. We can trust him right where we are right now. That's number two. Third and finally, searching God's sacred knowledge leads us to trust what he knows Follow where he leads and worship who he is. In verse six, it says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. I cannot attain it. Everything that we learn about God should lead us to worship God. See, a lot of times we want to understand God so that we can drag him down to be like us and put him in a box so that we can fully know him. It's why I get frustrated at some of the debates that that Christians love to have and they've been having for 2,000 years of church history, arguing all these doctrines because they want to be right in such a way that they can fully explain who God is. Now, here's the rub. You and I should never, ever, ever stop seeking knowledge of God. On the flip side, but you and I should never, ever, ever think that we've acquired all the knowledge that we need. You can't put God in a box. You can't. 
And if you try, the God that you're really seeking is you. You know, people always squirm when they say, I don't know how to fully explain the Trinity. Good. Because if you could fully explain it, you'd be God yourself. We can know enough about the Trinity because there's several hundred examples in the revelation of God's word. We looked at one today. Brother Ronnie did a masterful job in talking about the baptism of Jesus where you had the proclamation of the Father and then you had the Holy Spirit descending like a dove and you had the Son coming out of the water baptized for us, preparing to live and die for us. Right? Can I fully explain that? No. I know enough about it that I can worship him. And you know what? In heaven, it's not going to be like, oh, now I understand the Trinity. No. Here's what's going to happen in eternity. You and I will be perfected, but we will never be God. So here's the good news. Eternity is like running on a football field that never ends. You'll learn more and more and more and more and more about God. And the more that you know about him, the deeper your worship of him is going to be, which is why in heaven, the greatest moment that you'll ever have in heaven is the next moment. Stop and think about that. Heaven is great moment and then greater moment and then greater moment and it's just on until eternity. It's just gonna get greater and greater and greater because you're gonna know more and more and more and more and more about God. So what you know of him now, oh, it's not even scratching the surface on what you will know about him. So what you know about him now ought to lead you to worship He is bigger than you could ever imagine. And yet he's as close to you as the air you breathe. That should lead us to worship. God, there's so many things in my life that I wish were different. And you give me permission to ask you to change some of these things, and you may or you may not. But I trust that you are good, that you do good, and that you work all things together for good. Let me just say this. If you've been praying a long time for something and it hasn't happened, it's better that it hasn't happened for you yet. Because when we say that God is good and he works all things together for good, when God says no, God is really saying, I've chosen for you what you would have chosen if you knew what I know. I heard a pastor say this recently. If God answered every prayer according to what we thought, then half half the men in America would have been married to Farrah Fawcett right? God knows what we need. God knows what we need. And so if we worship him, our worship is going to be reflected in trust and obedience. And I'm just going to wind it down here. Um, When I say worship, you and I think about a service. We think about Jody leading us in song. And yes, absolutely, that is worship. We are singing and casting our focus on him. We're bringing in the truth of who he is and praising him for that. But I want you to think of the word worship as not just a singing, not just a service, not just a Sunday morning, but a heart attitude of trust and obedience every single day. Worship for you on Monday might look like taking 20 minutes to stop doing what you really want to do and spend that pouring into somebody else. And you do that every day. Those are acts of worship. And we do that when we realize who he is, that he's wonderful beyond our understanding. And we just want to honor him because of what he's done for us. So let me sum this up in one sentence. 
God's sacred knowledge guides our total surrender to Christ, who is God's eternal truth wrapped in flesh and bones. God's sacred knowledge guides our total surrender to Christ, who is God's eternal truth wrapped in flesh and bones. First verse in the first chapter of the Gospel of John, John, inspired of the Holy Spirit, says this statement that transcends human understanding. We can talk about basically what it means, but it goes beyond what any of us can fully understand. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So that term word, in Greek it's logos, that is the eternal truth and wisdom and reasoning of God. The knowledge of God wrapped in flesh and bones. You have to understand this about Jesus. It's not that Jesus has God's truth. Jesus is God's truth. You like all the characteristics of God that we can have in part. Like if we say that person's loving, we may be loving, but we are not love. That'd be weird. If you were to say, hi, I'm Bo and I'm love. No, you're not. No, you're not. Jerry, all they'd have to say is Dallas Cowboys, and you'll find out real quickly, I am not love. There ain't a fiber of my being that loves that star. But Jesus is love. It's not what he does primarily, it's who he is. What he does flows out of who he is. So when it comes to the knowledge of God... Jesus is the knowledge of God. He is. So I just want to say it's laughable for anybody who wants to have a relationship with God to say that Jesus is just one of many paths to get there. Jesus is not just a prophet. He's not just a good moral teacher. He's the infinite, eternal knowledge of God who became human so that human beings could have a relationship where we search God like he searches us. So what I want to say is, if you want to search the knowledge of God, you need to know the heart of Jesus. You need to do what he told me last night. Put your cheek next to his and walk with him. If you're in this room and you don't know Christ, you've heard his name, you've sat in church pews, but you would say that your life does not belong to him, well, guess what? Then you can never truly search and know God the way he wants you to know him. You must repent and give your life to the Lord Jesus. And again, think about the knowledge of God. Jesus knows you. He lived uh, you you got to get this. Every week I go through the gospel, and, and some of you probably think, good, man, if there's anybody lost in this room, they need to hear this. No, you need to hear this every week. And you need to hear this as if you're the only person who ever lived. So let me tell it to you this way. Jesus became human for you. Jesus lived perfectly because your life is a mess. Jesus died sacrificially because you were going to face punishment for your sin. Jesus rose from the dead, making a way from death to life so that when you die, you go right into the presence of God. Jesus ascended to the Father to send down his Holy Spirit so he could be in you and walk with you cheek to cheek. And yes, Jesus is coming back to make all things new. And when you and I, if we're Christian, cast our eyes on Jesus, he is gonna look at you as if you're the only person who ever existed. And when you bow at his feet in worship and you are embraced in his bosom in love, 
you're going to know he feels that exact same way for all of his children. So as we draw to a close, can you say, based on what we've learned this morning, that you're willing to trust him with where you're at right now? Can you, can you trust him? That he's good? That he does good? That he works all things together for good? Can you trust him in a world where you feel alone? In a world where you feel like you are so misunderstood? Can you trust he knows everything about you and he loves you? Doesn't mean he agrees with everything, but it means he understands everything and he loves you just as you are. Now, he loves us too much to stay that way. Jesus looked at the adulterous woman and said, I forgive you, but he also said, go forth and sin no more. We're always growing and changing, but let us give more of ourselves to Christ. That's what should happen when we search God's sacred knowledge. Let's pray. Lord, if we could just for five seconds understand how much you understand us, we would not try so hard to get everybody else to understand us instead. Lord, I know there's a lot of heavy heaviness in this room, a lot of pains and a lot of prayers that have been yet unanswered in the way that we want it answered, but certainly you hear them and you will do what is best. So Lord, I pray that each of us in this room would learn to trust you in a deeper way. We would learn to surrender to your will and obey you in the power of your Holy Spirit. Jesus, would you walk with us cheek to cheek? Help us to abide and trust in who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.